0: Kia and welcome. This is the New Zealand Wine Podcast. I'm Boris Lamont. Thanks for joining us in this episode where we're covering Burgundy in France, part two of our trip around the Burgundy region. You may well ask why we're talking about French wine on the New Zealand Wine Podcast, and there are a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, there's the undeniable prominence and importance of French wine, both today and historically. And secondly, we were keen to provide a very accessible basic introduction 101, if you like, to French wine. So we certainly hope this serves that purpose. As I said, this is part two on our series of the Burgundy region in France, and we're speaking with Jean-Christophe Poisard, who's an importer and distributor of French wine in New Zealand, and also Mark today, who you will hear uh, has very extensive knowledge of French wine and quite a connoisseur. So right now, let's have a chat with Jean-Christophe and Mark. So welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for coming along again. Good night. Thanks a lot. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. And um, so what, what would uh, be the next region as we move through Burgundy? Uh, Jean-Christophe?
1: Oh, well, I think, um, Mark, do you think we should talk about um, Côte d'Or, the, the Golden Slope?
2: Côte d'Or, yeah. It's the glamour, glamour zone of Burgundy.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. So um, a wonderful uh, sub-region of, uh, of um of Burgundy, which um, Côte d'Or, um, as we can probably translate it, as uh, golden slope, and is made up of uh, two uh, smaller um, sub-regions. And uh, um, from the north, uh, Côte de Nuit, and and to the south, um, Côte de Beaune. It's probably a little bit the the mecca, or well, certainly Côte de Nuit is the mecca of uh, of Pinot Noir, yep. and uh, the Côte de Beaune will be uh, more the mecca of uh, of Chardonnay grapes so um they, they're about the same size but both, both of them actually which is um um just uh at the um uh, suburb of uh, of Dijon just south and um and probably um, only a few kilometers, actually, um, from, uh, from the south of Dijon. And then finishes in, uh, in the little um, village of uh, Corgolouin. So it's about 20, 25 kilometers long, really, of a very thin, narrow strip of vineyards, about 200 to 300 meters um, wide. And, uh, and all the best vineyards, of course, are planted at the foothills of these uh, of these slopes and um with normally a south southeast exposed uh, wonderful kind of terroir there um of course classic of of burgundy which is uh, um what we call in french argilo calcaire which is uh, clay and limestone which uh, um which is uh, a wonderful uh, terroir for uh, for pinot noir really and um, wonderful, famous little villages in the Côte de Nuit. Probably some of the most famous villages, would you say, Mark? I mean, you know, Gevrais, Chambertin, Chambal, Musigny. I mean, they're all names that make you, Romani, you know, makes you dream, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and um, very expensive wines. Um, Côte de Nuit hosts something like over 25, over 33. Uh, Grand Cru. So there, it's really the the, the epitome of uh, of, um, of of Pinot there, really, and mm-hmm. uh, some some amazing uh, some amazing um, uh, villages um, which are very small. Um, we tend to forget that uh, uh, the average size of a, of a vineyard in the in the Côte de Nuit I think, is less than six point five hectares um for new zealand you know uh, new zealand an average size vineyard i mean you could not live in new zealand with 6.5 hectares of vine, could you no Uh, Um, unless i guess
2: you were charging the 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 money that the uh, Burgundians are. That's
1: right. Yeah, that's right. Um, so very small family business, um, um, and um, been there for for generation. We we've seen that in uh, in in one of our uh, earlier recording that uh, really was the monks who, who play a very important part in the, in the division of uh, of um, of Burgundy. Uh, you know, it's in the tenth and eleventh century they these monks who own that land really who were working that land and and passing on their knowledge from one generation to another and uh, and of course it all turned into custard when uh, when the french revolution uh, came and uh, and the the church lost most of their um, of their holdings and it was you know sold among the the people of uh, of france and and um this um these villages uh hosts some amazing uh vineyard. I mean uh, you know some uh, some very very big uh, big names. So the wines are uh, because this argilo-calcare because this clay and limestone in the soil. the wines of the of the de Nuit are somehow a little bit more a little bit deeper, um, a little bit, a little bit richer, um also more earthy. Kind of uh, of characters um, to compare with uh, with the Côte de bone that we will see later on. So the grape variety, the main grape variety, in fact, at ninety five percent, I think it's Pinot um, Noir. Eh? There's very little um, then that planted uh, in the Côte de Nuit. A little bit of Chardonnay. We saw that a little bit in um, in, um, in Saint George. That's pretty anecdotic, but there's a little bit in Nuit Saint George. There's a little bit in in um, in Marseillan, there's a little bit. Um, yeah, some some good white Marseillan produced there. A little bit in Musigny, of course, or in chambal Musigny, very very little. So it's mainly ninety five percent is it's Pinot, and uh, and they are probably the the most age worthy um, wine of Burgundy. Yeah, uh, that's um, that's pretty um, pretty clear. I think it doesn't uh, doesn't much it doesn't get much better. No, in Pinot than uh, than that I, I do prefer Cote de Beaune I don't know what you what, how you think you um, prefer Cote de reds. I prefer Cote de Beaune like Cotons yeah. um, actually further south than that okay yeah yeah I quite like them uh, mean and lean right yeah well, uh, well the Cote de Nuit tend to make them well, a little bit broader shoulders don't they yeah.
2: but they're not massive not, not 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 by Aussie standards no no
1: no, no. Not even by New Zealand standards, would no. you say?
2: No, I, I agree. I mean, yes. I think you know that as as much as I enjoy the Central Otago wines, mm. and I mm. think they're becoming much more elegant. Yeah. They, they they are they're pretty they're pretty massive. Some of these things. Oh yes,
1: yeah. yeah. See, I, I prefer maybe uh, I would compare them more with a uh, maybe of a Marlborough a Martinborough style. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah
1: I yeah. agree with you. And, uh, but, um, yeah, so, so for people who want to try, um, uh, Côte de Nuit Village, they, they don't come cheap, unfortunately. That's, uh, that's a, uh, that's a little bit of a story about, uh, Burgundy. They will become even more expensive after this terrible 2016 vintage. That, um, you know, unfortunately, when you found off like this, you, you're very weather dependent. So the vintage, vintage. Um, <coughs> it's very important. Uh, are very, very important, more than anywhere else, maybe. Mm. And 2016, the uh, had a terrible, uh, they had everything bad uh, from day one. Um, so, um, and that's not during their harvest because they haven't even harvested yet. It's really from, from the growing season, you know, that they got it bad. And uh, so it's been good lately. I've been keeping the finger on the pulse, it's been very good, but, but, um, so what, what's happened? Um, what's oh, happened? they had everything. They had oh, hell, okay. they had, uh, they had uh, frost, they had rain during flowering. Mm. Uh, they, honestly, they, uh, Boris, they had everything, they had everything thrown at them. And, uh, and it reduced the yield dramatically in, in some places, uh, absolutely. Uh, there's nothing left on the vines. I mean, I was there a couple of uh, months ago and, and villages like Chassagne, Montrachet, or, or, or Chambord, there's absolutely nothing left on the vines. Wow. They were like bare Branches, but I mean it's the
2: fifth of September today. Are, are, have they started picking? Or no, is it still
1: no, it's been uh, because of all that bad weather has right. been delayed seriously. So they are looking at probably late September, early okay. October. Right. Probably uh, most of it will be uh, happening in the first of uh, the first week of October. Right. And when is when is usual for harvest? Well, that's a very good question, Boris, because uh, with global warming, we've been seeing some vantages starting end of August, which is not the norm, really. That no. was uh, too early. Oh, well, sorry, not too early, but I was earlier than what... Normally, it's mid-September. Uh, as a classic, classic vintage mm-hmm. would be a mid-September. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so late September, early October, is, it's pretty late. It's so, pretty late.
0: So just on that, just a little bit as, uh, of an aside... Um, how much intervention uh, do the wine growers uh, are they allowed to do whatever they can or whether they need to to protect
1: a vintage or mm. not well you know when you've got a uh, frost you have a frost coming down at um, you know, four thirty or five o 'clock in the morning. There's not much you can do, really. There's some prevention, but that's, that's the one we had in 2016 was completely unpredicted. So they got completely caught. Um, when, um, the if the they were
0: to know, would they use yeah, uh, they helicopters some or something no, like that?
1: No, no, helicopters are not used as uh, as freely as uh, as uh, as we do in New Zealand or or, or Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but there's some other ways of doing it. So they, um, you, you can uh, put little chaudière, what we call little chaudière, which is like they're like um. Fire pots, smudge pots. I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How would you Mm -hmm. say? Yeah. Uh, You know, to keep them warm. You know, Uh, another way would be to spray a very thin, um, a very thin um, layer of um, of water over them, so it just protects the. uh, You know, it just uh, protects the the Fruit. Uh, by freezing around, freezing around the fruit. yeah, mm. yeah, and uh, and that's probably mainly uh, at the flowering season. But uh, yeah, there's f- few ways of uh, of doing it. There's also the big uh, which we do use a bit in New Zealand. You know the um, kind of um, like the windmills, like the windmills. windmills. Yep. Yeah. kind of thing, just to make sure that the the air it is braced is brass, moving. Is mm. moving. Mm. Uh, but no, it's it's. Uh, that's mother nature and mm-hmm. when mother nature decide then it's you yeah. got to take it on the chin
0: they're and they're all-
1: farmers don't forget they are you know Burg- Burgundy more <coughs> than anywhere else they are farmers so you know, they, you know they're used to that kind of thing even if we had a good role but um, yeah
2: I mean, the Appalachians do allow a certain amount of capitalization as well.
0: Mm. certain amount of what sorry
2: Capitalization, which is adding it depends on how cold a vintage is. if they need to bring alcohol levels up, they may add a bit of sugar. oh yeah, okay. and that's that's common throughout the world. Mm. but you've got to have fruit first exactly so in
1: the in the case of sixteen, there are actually no fruit. No, so there's actually, it's not, you know, it's nothing you can do. So yeah, it's a nightmare for the growers and producers this year. Oh yeah, God, it's a nightmare. Um, it's
0: a nightmare. It, maybe um, not just particularly um, Burgundy, but does. Anywhere in France, uh, irrigate if it's been a particularly dry summer, or is that not uh, done at all?
1: Irrigation is not normally allowed. You can get um, you can get special authorization. In some part of the South of France, so you can use them on young vines. You can a little bit use them as well. But but in in general, you you're not allowed uh, irrigation mm. in AOC, so in Appellation d'Origine Contrôlée. Yeah. Right. So okay. you're not you're not you're not you're not allowed. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so to come back to Burgundy, then uh, it's very weather-depending. So uh, if you want to start to, um, to have a, um, uh, a crack at some of his wines, I would probably recommend at uh, a village level. Um, so, you know, a Chambertin Village or a Chambol That will give you a, a good indication. They They are not user-friendly. We got to uh, you know to warn the the, the consumer where they're not um, as charming as our New Zealand Pinot. Uh, they're they're a little bit more on the they're not so much on the fruit. They're, they're a lot more on the on the terroir. They they ripen a lot more by the soil than by the by the sun. So it, the, the fruit is very different uh, than our New Zealand wine. You know you can really taste the the earth where they where mm. they're grown.
2: Yeah, the very the very earthy mineral bit of forest. forest floor um the whole mushroom thing You know, we, mm-hmm. we talk about that um um cherries and the poo basically there's that descriptor <laughs> as well i mean i think you can get a little bit of that i mean i think they're fascinating mm. wines mm. Did,
0: is there any you know and this is general is there any general rule around that you couldn't really um drink a burgundy pinot earlier than say three four years old or
1: yeah, I think I think we, I think in New Zealand I think it's a good point. I think in New Zealand we probably drink them a little bit too young. Mm. Um, they 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 need a little bit of age to, to come together and uh, and to gain in complexity. Because really, what you're buying is not much for fruit. Is is the complexity? Is the mm. depth? And the depth comes with a little bit of uh, a bottle age mm. and and they are food wines as well which is very important i think and mark mentions you know the undergrowth growth characters mm. well you, you know you match that with you know game foods um you match that with mushrooms fungusy kind of thing and uh and they're wonderful but but uh, with a little bit of bottle age uh, that's definitely help. but uh but kind of uh <coughs> harshness about them sometimes and uh and Yeah, and they don't. The complexity comes with a little bit with the time. Mm -hmm.
2: Jean-Christophe, we we think of lots of areas in France, um, uh, the traditionalist versus new age kind of making. Mm -hmm. Do you see that in in Burgundy? Like, are there are there people that are making maybe more modern, more forward uh, village Burgundies than and and, as opposed to some people that are very much more traditional? Yeah.
1: Oh, I think you, yeah, I think that's a good question. I think you see that a little bit um, everywhere, Mark. Um, But Burgundy's got something special in in the terroir. And I think if you play too much with that... Mm. Uh, then you're losing that notion, and Burgundy is all about that. It's all about this this terroir notion, and and some people have tried. You know, some people have tried to use a lot of oak, and and some people have tried to extract too much or to concentrate too much, mm. um, you know. But really, on Burgundy, it doesn't work. Yeah, fair it sure. doesn't work. So there are still some people are trying. I mean, I could name few producers who are very much into that, but they are not considered as the greatest producers of Burgundy. Right. I don't think. Yeah. And their they, their wines are not considered as the greatest Burgundy either. Yeah. And we all know, you know, it's a small, it's a small, it's a smaller area. You know, it's, uh, it's why it's, it's 3,000 hectares of vines. It's, uh, it's a little bit bigger than Central Otago. So, every, you know, everything very quickly, mm. you know, and they've been doing it for, since the 10th century. So, so you know you know, you know who's doing good and who's not doing so good in burgundy yeah. really it's a little bit of a minefield for people who don't know, but at the end of the day, it's actually quite easy to learn about the uh, about the, uh, the how the, the system works, but yeah. you've got to learn it that's all yeah,
2: I mean for me, and I think we touched on this in an earlier session if if you, if, if you have the interest in wine and and you have the wherewithal to be able to afford these things burgundy is the ultimate wine in terms of dialing in a specific plot of land and mm. um um you know i i find it fascinating um, jean Christophe saying that it's you know it's just slightly larger than central Otago but the difference between the two regions is um central Otago has a, a number of subregions mm. um but it's it's very much in its infancy whereas in in burgundy it, it'll be you know 4 hectare plots you know might be mm. a grand crew mm. that's maybe one or two um, hectares. families oh, hectares mm. yeah and mm. and part of the fun is trying these wines and 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 tasting uh, it's not tasting the earth really but tasting what mother nature in that specific pinpoint of um the land mm. be, Brings forth in Pinot Noir.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a it's a lifetime commitment, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Because no, but because there are so many, isn't it? I mean, you pointed out it's there are so many of these single plots who touch. They're all touching each other, and yet they all got uh, a different um, characters. And then you got on the top of that, you got to multiply you multiply them by <coughs> by the vintages, and you got to multiply them by the the producers so mm. you know one producer of the same plot will make a very different wine to another uh, producer so so it's a uh, it's it's a lifetime uh, commitment to learn about it, but, but that's why it's fascinating about it, you know, that's mm. why it's fascinating, and that's only that's only Côte de Nuit, we haven't even talked about Côte de Bonne because Côte de Bonne, that's another thing, you know, it's another two and a half thousand hectares of vines. you know, who who again is still Pinot and Chardonnay, but you know, it's again another another expression of a Pinot, uh, and another expression of a Chardonnay from uh, <laughs> from the north, So um, <clears throat> so moving on with from the côte de nuit it's it's just uh, f- south of of this tiny little village of Corgoloin. there's a there's a quarry there in the, in the in the village of Comblanchien the Corgoloin and Comblanchien villages are touching each other Comblanchien is very famous for uh, for its limestone quarry that's where starts the côte de bonne and then you go about 25 kilometers down and uh, you pass bonne and uh, and then you go into the, the land of uh, of uh, of Chardonnay and then just after the land of Chardonnay still in the Côte de Beaune, you, you come back to a little bit of a Pinot Noir land with, uh, with Saint-Nay and, and that kind of villages, Marsenay. Um, um, is it Marsenay? No, hang on, I've got to... Marange, make a pardon. It's Marange, not Marsannay? Marsannay is right at the top of the Côte de Nuit. So, um, so if, uh, if a Côte de Nuit was a little bit the the Champs-Élysées of... Uh, of a Burgundy, uh, then uh, then the Côte de Bone will be the Place Vendôme. I don't know you. You look puzzled to me here, <laughs> Boris. But Place <laughs> Vendôme, this is where it's it's a wonderful square, a wonderful place uh, in uh, in in Paris, where it's a square place in fact, where you will find uh, um, the Ritz Hotel. And, uh, and right in the middle of this square is the, um, the statue of Napoleon. It's a, it's a place it was built, um, in 1702, I think, to be honest, um, to be exactly perfect, um, uh, spot on. Uh, but what's the particularity of this place, Vendôme? This is where, uh, you have the most expensive and the most exclusive, uh, jewelry shops. Yeah. This is where you get your diamonds from expensive ones so Côte de bonne is a let be that you know mm-hmm. if if Côte de Nuit is the champs elysees with arc de Triomphe you know is' all pretty grand Here it's all uh, in the place dome is all very precise and right. very okay. very shiny mm-hmm. and I think Côte de bonne is it's exactly that you know um, the wines of of a de bonne is uh, the, the soil is is it's a little bit more limestone it's not as deep soil like a, uh, like the Côte de Nuit. The clay is not as deep, it's not as rich, it's not as as reddish, um, in some places. In most places, shall I said, and it makes wines a little bit more lifted, uh, what we call aérien in French, or a little bit more lifted, a little bit more precise, uh, a little bit a little bit leaner, slightly leaner, a little bit more, a little bit more like a, like a diamond. You know, you 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 got to know what you're doing. When you look at the diamond, yeah? And then it's pretty much the same with Côte de Nuit. Côte, bon. Côte de Nuit is a little, bit more, a little bit more in your face. It's a little bit more user-friendly. Côte de Nuit, bon, I'm talking in red here. I mean, in, some, in, in, in white, if, if you want to compare with the red of Côte de Nuit and Côte de Nuit. Bon. And, and you really got to know what you're looking for. Mm. Mm. That's Cote de Bonne, I think. That's, that resume a little bit Cote de Bonne for me. And then, of course, this is where you get the big name of uh, of whites. Yeah, This is where you find pugnay montrachet Meursault, chassane montrachet They have a big, big name of, uh, of a white Burgundy.
2: Yeah. And so, I mean, once again, not only does Burgundy um, produce the greatest Pinot Noirs in the world, but they also produce the greatest Chardonnays in the world as well.
1: Mm. So, Yeah.
0: Uh, and so you we covered earlier um in the previous session about Chablis. Yeah. Um, so how do the whites there compare to Chablis? Ah, well
1: you see if Côte de Nuit if Côte de Nuit is the uh, Champs <laughs> <Here we> go. <laughs> if Côte de Bône is uh if Côte de Bonne is the uh is the Place Vendome, I think Chablis have to be Sacre Cœur. With his limestone, you know this whitish um soul, you know and we've we 've seen that with a uh, with a uh, limestone from a very specific era, which is a Giant era because uh, the limestone from the from the from the cote d'Or is more uh, jurassic yeah mid Jurassic era, so a little bit uh, a little bit different well quite a lot different in fact um, so a very different style of wine uh, uh, we we 're talking about that you know a lot more um, um, chalky, yeah. um, iodine, salty, um, uh, seaweedy kind. You know. So we. So you're talking chablis here. Yeah. yeah, right. Chablis there. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, chablis. Yeah. And 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 when well in the in the Côte de Bonne where you get uh here. Now this is chardonnay. has got a, a lot more uh, texture, more flesh on the uh, on on the bone. Mm-hmm. The 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 solar there's still a little bit more clay than than you get uh, in Chablis. It's mm-hmm. a very very different style. Normally, you you it's probably a good if you see one side by side. Is it's actually quite not easy because it's never easy to pick one to another. But but you will notice a very big difference, don't you?
2: Yes, I mean I, I think uh, you know the wines, the Cote de Beaune, the white wines, uh, especially Puligny Montrachet, etc. Cetera, etc. Uh, I mean the the archetype for Perhaps what most of the new world thinks is Chardonnay. These are these are bigger wines. Mm. Um, uh, there's more winemaker input in terms mm. of um, mm. oak handling and mm. that kind of stuff, malolactic, mm. what have you, um, mm. least stirring, um, and uh, and and so it's 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 a way that um, I think the new world is tried to emulate that that style to a certain extent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's why we're trying to do more because Chablis is, t- is so unique because it it's got a soul so unique that it's very hard to um, to repeat.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you you see some new world makers doing I um, know un- un-oaked Chardonnays, yeah. mm. and I suppose they're in a, a Chablis style, mm. but they're, they're just they're just not the same thing. But mm. you know, you could you could say that of um, great white Burgundy. Um, um, from the Côte de Beaune as well, um, you know. As much as I love uh, Kistler Chardonnay from um, <laughs> from California, um, and uh, this is big wine, it's, Boris. It's, by it's, way. it's a, it's a very it's, big wine. It's a nice. You, you'll <laughs> like it if you haven't had Kistler. You, you'll <laughs> like it, trust me. But <laughs> yeah. it's not, it's not French in style. No. Know, even though they're trying to do certain things, the terroir, you know, of Sonoma is not conducive to the same kind of. I don't know, flinty aspects. Mm-hmm. There, there's an inner core to great white Burgundy, which is just out of this mm-hmm. world for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And um, and some of these wines are not shy. You know, no. some some of these Monarchais, uh, you know, fifteen mm-hmm. percent alcohol, natural, and and it, you know, not a trace of heat, but just mm-hmm. massive, beautiful things. Yeah, yeah they age so well.
1: Yeah, I, 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 but it's perfect what you're saying because it's to reinforce that. Burgundy, more than any other region in France, has something special in the land, in the terroir, which, you know, you you might as well not get up in the morning, try to repeat it. Really, you can't. Yeah. You can't. And and what the Burgundian talks a lot about, you know, and and I've been going there for forever. It's the clarity of a light. I mean how do you define that mm. you know they say that we've got something special in the clarity of the light I mean I mean how can you pinpoint that? I don't I don't I don't know how to explain that but the the burgundian People, the vigneron, will tell you a lot about, or will will mention a lot about this this light, this clarity of the light. You know, they would not talk too much about the, their their fruits. Um, it's all about the the feel and touch in your mouth. That's yeah. why, and and of course the nose, because the nose is all about this, you know, the cherries and and uh, and on and this undergrowth characters and this fungusy character. And you get on the on the red and and on the white is you know on the white shadow. It's more towards this very delicate um, um, uh, white flowers, you know, or even yellowish flowers, and this, you know, very uh, delicate um, aromas. That you know, the fruit very rarely comes into it. You know, very rarely. The
2: yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting grape. Um, yeah. A- it, 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 it's a it's a grape that seems to speak of the land, you know, even even in yeah. uh, New Zealand to a certain extent, or or the winemaker input. Board. Yeah, it's, that's it's, right. It's, it's not like a Riesling or a Sauvignon Blanc, which no. or a Chenin, what have you, um, that that are very strongly characterized wines. Chardonnay, yeah. Chardonnay seems to be a bit more of a chameleon, perhaps. Yeah,
1: Ooh. maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And uh, and, uh, and 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 the Burgundian will will mention very bypassing maybe a little bit of a fruit, but what they're all about is this clarity and how the wine sing and dance on your palate because it's all about the feel and touch. It's it's a, it's very, very intellectual and it's very emotional mm-hmm. uh experience, really. That's Burgundy. You can resume Burgundy like this, I think. And and and, and especially this uh, Côte uh, d'Or, mm, very much so. And so is that what you
0: mentioned that... um they're pricey, <laughs> and is is it that is it because it's a, um, a sort of wine connoisseur's um, ultimate um, experience, or is it partly to do with the uh, it's a smaller area, so there's just not not so much supply. Um,
1: what 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 puts the price up there? Mm, it's a bit of a combination of uh, of all of it, isn't it? Yeah, uh, combination of all of it. Um, Pinot has had a big renaissance few years ago, so the prices was uh, was going up. has been has been going up since uh, you know the, um, maybe the 90s, early you know yeah early 90s. Um, it's a combination that uh, it's a very freckle um, grape variety to grow you know, Pinot is, it's, uh, and they're dealing with, uh, one grape, you know, and like Bordeaux where they got, we can play a little bit between Cabernet and Merlot. If Merlot is not so great that year, then they can put a bit of Cabernet and the same in the, in the South, you know, uh, if, uh, if a Grenache is not doing so good, then, then Syrah will be completed. Yeah. In Burgundy it's, it's only, you know, one white and one red. And if, if uh, if it's bad, then it's bad all around, you know. And
0: so is is the is the varietal the pinot noir varietal a little bit more temperamental?
1: Oh yes, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. I'm okay. not. I'm not so. Sure, um, uh, you know, uh, don't know much about the. You know the, how hard it is, but I know it's 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 pretty fickle. Yeah? Right. It's pretty hard. Yeah. Okay. You should ask a
0: winemaker that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, um, yeah so so a few so f- a few factors then and
1: um, yeah a few factors so yeah. yeah yeah everything and popularity and uh and some some producers are becoming um as famous as anything so you know people want their wine so they you know they, they're paying a little bit more for it so it's pushing a little bit the prices up and and but, things like this but as you've mentioned
0: there are burgundy is available for the um, average consumer yeah
1: very much so i mean yeah um and i tell you why you know new zealand is a very good place to to purchase this wine uh, this weekend we had an australian uh, um, a completely burgundy nuts uh, from australia has been transferred here for six months and it can't believe how good value the burgundy wines here in New Zealand to compare with Australia yeah well it's very it. expensive
2: in Australia I mean there's a wet tax there that yeah. is out of control
1: and then the, and then the margins must be big. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just can't believe it. I mean, it's just can't believe how cheap it is here yeah. for Burgundy. So anyway, it's still expensive. There's no doubt a village wine, you still have to buy, you know, close to hundred dollars for a, a bottle of oh, village. Okay. A, a very for a famous good one. village. Yeah. For, yeah, a, good for one, a very yeah. good village. Yeah. Right. For a very good village. Yeah. Um, and, um, and and then of course you've got the classification of uh, of burgundy which you know above a village wine you got a premier cru which is you know um um, a um, uh, some block of lands which are um, recognized as having better exposure or or better kind of soil and 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 so forth and the uh, and the wines uh, are a bit more special and and it makes it commands a bit more pricing a bit higher prices and then on the top of premier cru you got grand cru which is even more uh, even much smaller I think we got 33 grand cru in uh, in uh, in Burgundy. And and that makes even more pricey because there's even less um volume produce of these wines and, and the soil is so you know so exceptional, you know, um that they were already recognised in the tenth and eleventh century by the monks that this block of lands were special and we still recognize them as very special. So they have something yeah, special in them, you know. It's mm. not from one day or another. We say, "Oh, this is Grand Cru material." No, this is since the tenth and eleventh century. Mm. Mm. So, um, so it's very expensive. I
2: mm. mean, th- there are times when you can get a Premier Cru that is a, of Grand Cru uh, quality, and mm. and it's one way to to maybe justifying the price because Premier Cru are, are very expensive, mm. Um, mm. especially from great producers. Um, but yeah, the Grand Cru's are can be something else oh. else. That can be close to a religious experience. <laughs> yes. Yeah
1: that's no, true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. So it's worth it's worth actually put that on the bucket list. Mm. To mm. have a you know, but it's very hard to find the right one as well. But mm. Um, mm. you probably need some guidance somehow. You, you definitely mm. I think mm. in Burgundy more than anywhere else you, you mm. will need a little bit of guidance. Mm. Mm. I mean I have some
2: friends uh, that that have that, that open Continu- They, they want to show me the light with Burgundy. They keep on opening some nice Grand Cru's for me, and and they're all very very good. But quite a few of them
1: are disappointing.
2: Yeah, just a little bit. Especially when you consider, you know,
1: the price. Yeah,
2: three to five hundred dollars for the bottle. I'm thinking, mm. wow.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's um it's that's Burgundy though. Yes. That's that's so classically Burgundy. But uh, you can be, you know wonderfully surprised with a, a, a village and, and terribly disappointed with a Grand Cru.
2: So would you, would you say that the highs of Burgundy are probably as high as you can get in one in, in terms of appreciation, but a, a place like Bur- uh, Bordeaux is a much more consistent um, region in terms of producing excellence at a variety of pi- price points?
1: Yeah, it's a much bigger area as well. You know, you are looking 125 <coughs> or so, 130 hectares of vine. So to compare with 29,000 in Burgundy. Yeah. So, so you. But let's face it. You know, it's uh, it's nearly three times, over three times the, the time, the the size. Uh, you got as much rubbish, in in Bordeaux. Mm-hmm you know you've got as much rubbish in bordeaux really right. um but they got they got uh, bordeaux has got this um few grape variety and they can they can fall off if uh fall on if uh, fall on it you know if if, if one is not so good yeah. burgundy you can't Burgundy yeah. you, you got you got you got pinot if you haven't got pinot it's chardonnay so you know it's uh, it's pretty limited the way you can do with it mm. I mean, one thing that I've noticed amongst
2: um, the uh, the train spotting wine aficionados throughout the country, um, when I start talking about my my love of Barolo or mm. or, or actually more northern Rhones or or uh, California Cabernet or, or Bordeaux, they they sort of give me a smug look and superior look and say, "Oh well, you know, you obviously haven't discovered Pinot Noir in yet." And it's like, "Well, here we go," and I, I get this everywhere, you know. Right. Um, you get to a certain level. One gets to a certain level of collecting and wine appreciation, and you start chasing that holy grail. Right. Yep, that yep that's, that's exactly right. That Pinot Noir and great Chardonnay can can provide. Mm. Yeah.
1: But it's mm. a, but like we come back. It's uh, it's you know you, you can never find it sometimes. Yeah, you know I'm sure. But uh, but when you when you when you get a good one, it's it's pretty pretty special. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, that um, that would be a good note to finish on, I think, gentlemen. So thank you once again. Pleasure. It's been, um, been very insightful. Mm. And um, we'll be back again shortly. Yep. Thanks, Boris. Thank Cheers. You, Boris. Bye now. Bye. We've been speaking with Jean-Christophe Poizat and Mark today in part two of our look in the Burgundy region in France. If you'd like to hear more, just check us out online the new zealand wine podcast and also while you're there check out some of the other great podcasts on podcast.nz be sure to check in shortly to listen to part three of the burgundy region in france thanks for listening mai. bye for now